Turning It Around by Corey Ryan Forrester. I used to do drugs. I still do, but I used to, too. Mitch Hedberg. The first time I ever drank a beer was also the first time I smoked weed and the first time I ever took a pain pill. Some might say that I'm an all-or-nothing kind of guy, but really it's just that I'm an idiot. I'd like you to reserve a little bit of judgment, not only for the fact that I was 14, but also because this was during that short period of time between pain pills becoming readily available and us finding out that they were highly addictive killers. The good old days. I remember that night like it was yesterday. Well, I remember the first part of that night at least. Me and my buddy, let's just call him Grizzly, were heading up the road to a cabin party that had been the talk of the school for the past few weeks. We were freshmen, and the only reason we were even allowed to mingle at a gathering of upperclassmen was that we were on the football team, and so was the boy whose parents' cabin we were about to destroy. Grizzly had just turned 15, so he had his learner's permit and all that, and around where I come from, oftentimes that's close enough in some parents' minds. As such, we were allowed to go out on our own so long as we stayed within the town limits. We played a little fast and loose with that rule, as you can imagine. On our way up to the cabin, we were going around the big curve right before you get to the gas station that would sell us beer, and out of nowhere, a cat ran out in the middle of the road. I pointed it out and screamed, but it was too late. I don't see how it's possible, but I swear we got all four tires on that poor little bitch. Fur went flying, and as I turned to catch a glimpse, I saw two things. The cat, already stiff as a board on its back with every leg pointed straight in the air, and a little girl running to the road crying. That image has never left me and still haunts my dreams. I know we should have stopped, but we were underage with a cooler full of beer and illegally driving on a learner's permit. Our hands were tied. We get to the cabin and everyone is already fucked up as a dolphin dick, so we have to play drug and liquor catch up. A very safe and responsible thing for anyone to do, especially a 14-year-old boy. My buddy Travis was shotgunning Natty Ice and told me I was a pussy if I couldn't match him beer for beer. Spoiler alert, I was a pussy, but it wasn't for lack of trying. As I said earlier, at that time I had never drank a beer, but even with that in mind, I somehow knew that Natty Ice was probably not the best the genre had to offer. My first hint was that Travis was drinking them and I'd seen him huff gas before football practice. After I puked, Travis handed me a little white pill that I would later find out was called a hydro. A hydro, if you're not familiar with it, is shorthand for hydrocodone, which can also be referred to as Papaw's Little Back Pill or Hillbilly Tic Tacs. Doctors say you shouldn't mix pills with alcohol. You shouldn't. But we just always assume that's because doctors didn't want us having any fun. And boy, did we ever have fun. As the night progressed, I would take more pills, drink more beers, smoke weed out of an apple, pass out in the jacuzzi, and accidentally see a senior girl's titties while trying to find a toilet to puke in again. I had to see her boyfriend's ding-dong too, but that's collateral damage I'm always willing to accept. This isn't a story about addiction, by the way. This is barely a story at all and more the insane ramblings of a lunatic, but I don't want anyone sitting there to think that this is going to end with me blowing a motorcycle salesman so that I can get a fix. I would never. I don't know anyone who sells motorcycles. 
While I was not and am not an addict, this was the start of a long road paved with terrible decisions, some of which I do not even remotely remember. Two years after I started taking pills, drinking like a maniac, and smoking cigarettes like a Waffle House cook who just got out of jury duty, I did something arguably dumber. I started doing stand-up. I was 16 years old in a grown man's world. Well, they were grown men age-wise, but comedy tends to attract those of us who never want to grow up in any other way. The first of many disappointments I would have in comedy was finding out that I had missed the cocaine boom by several years. Little did I know that the ADD medication I had refused to take for all those years could have a similar effect when administered properly. I know what you're all thinking, and the answer is yes. I only liked drugs that I didn't have a prescription for. Once I got my feet wet in comedy, and after I had been kicked out of and let back into the local comedy club on several occasions, I started getting actual work in the main room very frequently. I was the house MC there for two years, and back then, that meant doing seven shows a week. One on Thursday, two on Friday, two in the main room on Saturday, and a quick set in the B room between shows, and another show to close out the weekend on Sunday when we were all barely hanging on. That was a pretty intense pace, even for a young feller, but the reason we were able to hang on, as it were, was because of the brilliant concoction Ward had come up with in his lab. He'd take an Adderall, a Percocet, or Hydro, sometimes both, and a Xanax and put them all out on a wooden cutting board. He'd take a coffee mug and use it like a rolling pin to grind all the pills into one cohesive powder that we would then snort directly up our noses. Don't worry, we, we use different straws. Even before COVID, we weren't gross. The thought behind this was that the Xanax would calm your nerves before the show, the Hydro would make you feel bulletproof about your material, and the Adderall would keep you from passing out after all the liquor you'd be drinking all night. It worked. I'm not saying it was a good idea, but it worked. Okay, now let me get to the point. I said all that to say this. Six years ago, I signed a book deal that changed my life, and with it came a comedy tour that was an immediate success and continues to be so to this day. As soon as all that happened, I looked myself in the mirror and said, All right, big boy, there ain't no fucking around anymore. And I swore off the hard stuff forever. A couple of years ago, I changed my relationship with alcohol, which had remained a friend even after the divorce with drugs. Since then, I've lost 60 pounds, started eating better, got help from my depression and anxiety, and am currently not only the happiest and healthiest I've ever been, but also the most successful. Don't ever let anyone try to trick you into thinking that being a tortured artist is the only way to go about it. I absolutely despise that kind of talk. I promise you, you make better shit when you feel good. Thanks for letting me ramble. Holler at you next week. Tell your mama now I said hey. Okay, so this is the, <laughs> this is the end of the story, but I'm going to stay on here because uh, I actually have some addendums that I would like to make because I just realized that I screwed up and I didn't realize it in my editing process. So right here, and uh, this is only the people that get the audio are going to hear this because I'm not going back and typing this shit. Um, up here when I say... 
doot, doot, doot. That was a pretty intense pace, even for a young feller, but the reason we were able to hang on, as it were, was because of the brilliant concoction Ward had come up with in his lab. Well, if you're reading that, Ward just comes out of nowhere, um, and I realized what happened. I had a whole other two or three paragraphs that I ended up editing out where I had explained who Ward was, and I was going to put something uh, different in there, and I just didn't, like an idiot. Uh, I'm now realizing that I definitely rushed this one out, and I'm sorry. Uh, maybe I felt like, oh, you got to get something out, and I didn't take enough time on it. So that's uh, that's on me. I'm very sorry. <laughs> thank y'all for uh, thank y'all for listening, though. I really appreciate you, all my paid subscribers. You were awesome. And I don't know if you saw the video the other day, but I got some uh, cool stuff coming down the pike. I think is a phrase. Uh, gonna do start doing some more videos. Uh, working on a new podcast slash uh, video show format. I guess you can just call it a show, Corey. Um, and uh, yeah, I just want to do more for y'all because y'all, uh, y'all, uh, I appreciate y'all. Your five dollars a month, which uh, is no small thing. Uh, I mean, you know, times are tough right now. Hell, that's a gallon of gas, ain't it, baby? Um, but I really appreciate y'all. So I want to give y'all more. If I'm being honest with you, which I've said this before. It would tickle me pink. It would tickle me smooth pink if the Substack became so successful that I maybe only had to tour half the year. I would love that. And when that is the case, that means I can actually do more on Substack, and I will do more on Substack. I genuinely enjoy it. I love connecting with y'all. I love the immediacy of posting something and immediately getting the feedback from y'all, uh, which I guess is kind of like why I like <laughs> doing stand-up comedy. But I genuinely enjoy it. Um, the the lifestyle's great. I like being at home. It's wonderful. And uh, I love y'all for making it possible. I really do. And uh, remember, as always, if, if you're out there and you can't afford it, just holler at me and I'll comp it for you. Love y'all very much. Take care of yourself and uh, expect to hear more from me this week. Love you. Bye.